Hey everyone, and welcome to Unbelievable, a podcast about leaving religion, healing from religious trauma, letting go of guilt, and learning how to live again. My name is Carol Chia. I spent over 40 years in the Southern Baptist Church, and only after I left did I begin to realize just how deep my indoctrination actually went. Each episode, we'll discuss topics ranging from bad theology, the patriarchy, and everything churchy. So let's recover together. Hey guys, this episode is going to sound a little bit different than they're used to, but stick with me, okay? If y'all haven't figured it out by now, just from listening to my voice, I'm from Appalachia. One of the most fascinating aspects of Appalachian culture is the strange blend of Christianity and paganism. The early Appalachian settlers were mostly Ulster Protestants, but Celtic lore and practices also came with them. The area's remote location and the lack of medical care led the settlers to incorporate the medicinal plants known to the indigenous tribes of the region. They were uniquely attached to the land for their survival, and this dependence wound its way into the religion of the area. Now, Christianity is the predominant religion of the Appalachian region, particularly the area where I grew up, located where the Appalachian Ridge and Valley Province gives way to the Cumberland Plateau region. My hometown sits at the base of Cumberland Mountain, and my people come from the mountain itself. I was raised by a nurse mom and a coal truck driving dad in Campbell County, Tennessee. U.S. Route 25W snakes its way from La Follette, the county's largest town, to Jellicoe, a town that sits on the border of Tennessee and Kentucky. My people live in the hollers along this road and have for generations. If you ever find yourself on this road, do me a favor. Count the number of churches you see. All of these churches are small, most never seeing an attendance of over 50 people. Most of these churches are of Baptist or Pentecostal beliefs, and yeah, there are a few snake handlers sprinkled around. The churchgoers in this region are wary of organized denominations, so they remain independent, answering only to each other, not concerned with how the rest of the world views their belief system. This doesn't mean, however, that the old ways still aren't around. Folklore has been passed down for centuries and is so embedded into the culture that it's impossible to track down the origins. Have you ever heard that death always travels in threes or held your breath when passing a cemetery? You can thank Appalachia for that. In these superstitions, death is the main attraction. Seeing owls in the daytime, bats in the house, hearing a bell ring, all signs of impending death. These superstitions make sense when considering the rough life the early settlers had in this region, where death was common. When I was a little girl, a black cat crossed the road in front of our car. My dad was driving, and he hurriedly drew three X's on the windshield to ward off bad luck. On the surface, these superstitions seem to contradict their strong belief in Christianity, but to Appalachians, it's just the way it's always been. And change isn't something that they're very good at. My great-grandmother considered herself a Christian. She read her Bible, attended church occasionally, and had long conversations with friends on the phone about Jesus. She also had prophetic dreams, buried spell jars in her yard, and believed in the healing powers of poultices and concoctions. 
She held a strong connection to the earth, to the dirt of the hills she loved. In many ways, the mountains were her church, where she honored the power that still runs through them. Even though the church warned against messing around with spirits, we never doubted Mama's dreams. And if she told us something was going to happen, mark your calendar. She knew when there was a baby on the way well before the expectant mother knew, and she could determine the sex just by touching the pregnant tummy. She could also determine the character of a stranger just by looking at him, and she was never wrong. If my mamma were alive today, she would be called a witch. But she never worried about labels. She just knew that the way she had lived her life had been passed down from generation to generation, just as her red hair, strong bones, and booming laugh were passed on to me as well. When I saw my first ghost, I was playing in the garage where my parents had set up a playroom for me. My mom was a clean freak, so I wasn't allowed to play in the house. So I had a garage playroom. I happened to look up at the garage door and noticed a man staring at me from the outside. I yelled for mom to look, but she didn't see anyone. He stared at me for a few more minutes and just disappeared. He didn't fade away or turn around and walk away. He just disappeared. Poof. My mom never saw him, but she didn't doubt me. She said, Lord, you're just like your mamma. No question or fright, just acceptance that I was just like mamma. It was only years later that I realized no person could have been staring at me through the garage door window. The windows were at least seven feet off the ground. I've always had a special kinship with nature. There's rarely a day when I'm not outside, puttering around in the garden or walking through fields, sitting and listening to the sounds of the birds and the crickets. I rise with the sun, and if the weather allows, all the windows are open. I'm fortunate to work from home, so I'm able to take breaks during the day just to go outside. Before my husband and I purchased our house, we lived in a tiny apartment in the middle of the city. It was the worst time of my life. My health, both physical and mental, suffered. There were no paths through the trees, no birds singing, no green. Now I have a park a quarter mile from my house, a small wood that borders my backyard and trees galore. I feel that I can finally breathe here, you know? I can get my hands dirty in flower beds, watch hummingbirds as they drink from feeders, and take my dog on as many walks as she wants to go. So what does all of this have to do with deconstruction and recovery from religious trauma? Absolutely everything. There is no room in the Southern Baptist faith for spirits, except the Holy Spirit, of course. Baptists view the world through a binary lens good and evil, angels and demons, right and wrong. There is no gray area to examine, no mystery to explore. When I left religion, I was finally able to see the vastness of the universe. Christianity kept me locked in a cage of closed-minded beliefs. I wasn't able to think for myself, to trust my gut. If I deviated from the path set out for me, I was labeled a backslider or a heretic. If I agreed with a principle of another religion, I was called out, forced back into the cage through guilt and fear of disappointing my church. I recently made a TikTok responding to someone who was trying to defend God. 
She went on and on in my comments section, blaming all the evil in the world on humanity while giving God a pass. She said that God is perfect and blameless, but she couldn't answer one simple question. If God is perfect and He created everything, where did sin come from? A guy jumped into the comments, determined to put me, the little woman, back in my place. He rambled about how atheism is a form of faith, that we worship ourselves. Then he said something I've heard from the pulpit dozens of times. I'm going to quote him. How could you see a fantastic piece of artwork in a gallery and tell the audience that it just appeared there on its own? To know where we come from and who the artist is is a natural quest. To worship nothing is also a form of worship. That's the cage I'm talking about. In the evangelical cage, there's no room for dissension, for discussion. You have to believe exactly as they do. Now, my oldest youngin, and yes, Youngin works at a metaphysical shopping cafe and brings all kinds of awesome things to my house. A few weeks ago, he left a book entitled Cunningham's Magical Sampler, Collected Writings and Spells from the Renowned Wiccan Author. Now, I knew nothing about Wicca, and I sure don't have any experience with spells, but I was interested, so I started skimming through it. It was fascinating. It's full of charms and herbs and food and the history of what we call witches. This book started my journey into researching my heritage to investigate the belief systems of my ancestors. And what I found is amazing. There's no written history of the Celtic people and their particular brand of magic, but there are hints in the stories that have been passed down from generation to generation. Remember those folk tales and superstitions we talked about earlier? These can be traced to our Scots-Irish roots. For me, this research has opened up the magic of the universe. In a strange way, it feels like home. But how can I claim to be an agnostic atheist and find credence in the study of witchcraft? While it's true that many forms of witchcraft contain elements of deity worship— Not all witches worship a deity. It's impossible to discuss modern witchcraft without bringing up Wicca. Wicca is a neo-pagan religion that finds its roots in the witchcraft of the past. It originated in the 1950s and was founded by Gerald Gardner. Things like the will of the year and the worship of the triple goddess and the horned god are important aspects of Wicca. Wicca is considered a nature religion, and it follows a more defined structure. Hedge witchcraft is a form of solitary witchcraft. Named for a time when healers lived outside of the protective hedges of a village, the hedge witch is connected with nature, finds solace and peace among the trees and the fields, and incorporates many types of herbal magic into their craft. These are only two kinds of witchcraft. It would take hours to name all of the different types of witchcraft, and even if we could, Each witch practices differently. There is no right or wrong way to be a witch. My mamma practiced her magic and still believed in Jesus. Others don't worship any type of deity. Leaving religion has allowed me to explore all of this with no guilt, with no fear of going to hell. I'm free to read, to study, 
to talk to people who practice without the church telling me I'm under the influence of Satan. For me, I find power in the connectedness of things, the cycles of the seasons, and the symbolism used to honor those things. Ultimately, witchcraft is a way to honor those who came before me, the earth that sustains all of us and the mystery that exists all around us. And whether you believe in spells, hexes, or black cats that cross your path, there is magic in the mystery. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in tonight. I told you this was going to be a little bit different than my normal content. If you would like to give me some feedback, I would love to hear it. So drop me an email. I'm going to leave my email in the show notes. And also, if you could go to any of your podcast players, wherever you're hearing me from, give me a like, give me a follow, leave me a review. All of those things really help get my name out there and get this podcast out there. And I am having so much fun now this season so far. We're only two episodes in, but it feels good to be back. If you got any ideas for what you would like to hear on future episodes, drop me a line on any of my socials. I'll link those also in the show notes or send me an email. I will be back again in two weeks. I have no idea what that episode is going to be about. So right now is a really good time to give me some ideas. (laughs) Thanks again for listening and I'll see you in two weeks. Bye.